0: And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him.
1: Thank you for the opportunity once again to be here and to share with you from the word of the Lord. As we look at this passage here this morning in uh, Romans 8, and the book of Romans is, um, is a very interesting and important book. It's one that Paul wrote, and uh, we have very strong evidence, both internal and uh, external evidence, that Paul is uh, the author of uh, this book. As he is writing to a church I believe that was uh, not founded neither by Paul nor Peter, but I believe that many of the believers were there and have heard the preaching of the gospel that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And it was a church in which that have the different uh, categories of people in it. It has both the Romans as well as the Jews and the Greek. And it was a church in which that there were some who believe because of who they are and what they have done. So therefore, their works could open the doors for them. And so therefore, because of that, Paul is writing them in order to teach and to encourage them to remember their significance in Christ that they're not greater neither one both group or were changed by the power of the gospel and the gospel alone and as we look at this book together in chapter 8 and look at those verses and my prayer is that it will challenge us and remind us that we are children of the living God and as child of the living God, we must live as such. And sometimes we forget who we are, and we we'll live uh, totally differently. Uh, not too long ago, my daughters uh, at their school they had a play, and there was a young girl, and she was a slave in the play. Her name was Annie, and Annie was adopted by a very rich man. And when she get into that home and she was still living as a slave, she still left a, cloth, a slave clothes on her until the person that adopted her started to show her that she's now a, have a new future and she now has more than she could ever imagine. And is in that same line of thought that I'll come with you and share with you this morning. That sometimes we are living like we are not a child of the living God because we don't really know and understand who God is. So as we look at this text this morning, there are three truths that I would like for us to see together. And the first one we will look at is the process for becoming a child of God. There is not a process for different type of people. There is only one way and one way for us to become a child of God. First, we need to understand that man cannot save himself. We need to understand that Paul is revealed to us that in those chapters that it is impossible for man to save himself. I remember as we read in Romans chapter 3 in verse 10, it says, as it is written... There is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands God, no one seeks after God. And there is no fear of God before their eyes. And he went deeper in verse 23 and he said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were like slaves, we all are sinners. We are by nature children of wrath. We were born in sin and slave in sin. The scripture tells us that no one is born into a relationship with God. We were all alienated from God. We were all spiritually dead. We were all had no spiritual life. We were alienated from God and were under the wrath of God. I like the way the author of John put it this way in chapter eight, verse 44. You are of your father the devil and you want to do the desire of your father. We were born in sin and we were dead into our trespasses which means that Paul wanted them to know and to understand that their intellect was corrupt. Their conscience was not alive. Their will and their emotion was just they wanted to please self but not God. When you look at in chapter one, Paul is trying and reminding the Roman Christians that, that in, in verse 24 he said that God gave them over because of the loss of their hearts to impurity and then because they disowned their own bodies among themselves. In verse 26 in chapter one he said that God gave them over to their dishonorable passions then in verse 28, he go deeper and to say that God gave them over to a debased mind to do what they ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. They were full of evil and covetousness and malice. They were full of envy and strife and deceit. They were gossipers and slanders, haters of God and foolish and heartless. But as we look at our text this morning, it's just reminding us as we look at verse 15, it says for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons of God by whom we call Abba Father. Adoption was essential, a family term and according to the woman orator uh, Cicero the most more specific expression of human identity was found in the woman's family. The family was fundamental and the bedrock of the woman's society, and it was regarded as primary context for social, uh, religious, and political, and even economical security and fulfillment. So, adoption was an ac- was an accepted and high profiled method in, in, in which a lineage that in the woman's world at the time of Paul's writing and that's why Paul used this term widely in a cultural sense to illustrate the formation of a spiritual family we were alienated from God, we were enemies of God but God by his grace have adopted us I like the way St. Clair Ferguson put it in his book, uh, Children of the Living God. He wrote, Adoption is not a change of nature, but it is a change of stature. Adoption is the declaration that God made about us. It is irreversible, dependent entirely upon God's gracious choice in which he says, you are my son today. I have brought you into my family. Amen. Amen? In verse 15, he says that we receive the sonship status. It proves that there was a time that we were lost. There was a time we were not his son. There was a time we were not children of God. There was a time that we did not have a relationship with God, so therefore we were slaves to sin and often. But it is important for us to notice that at one time, we had no relationship with God the Father. It is also important for us to understand that there's nothing that we could do in our own to enter into a relationship with God. We cannot make God adopt us into his family, but it all depends on the Father's will. We cannot negotiate with God because the Father alone can do everything legally that is possible to make it possible for us to be adopted by him. I remember... Uh, In Haiti, we had uh, many different uh, villages where we have um, children homes. And one of them we had uh, in the city of Kais. There was one boy, his father died, and the mother came from the villages and came into the city. And so that she could look look for ways uh, to survive because the father was the breadwinner. And as she came into the city and she was assassinated, and this young boy was only 12 months old and he was in the street for 12 days and living in the pigs, with the pigs on the street and when they find him and his hair was all yellow and his stomach was big and his face looked like it was very malnourished and they took him to one of our orphanage and then in that children village we had a couple that came from the US and as soon as they saw that boy, their heart was beating and, and they make all that is possible and they adopted that boy to be their son. And today, that's over 10 years ago, and he is studying and going to college, having a bright future and adopted into a family that become his own and isn't the same thing that he has all the privileges that the family that offered. And that's what he's sharing with us here in verse 14. As we are becoming children of God and God adopted us as his son and daughter, the spirit of God has entered into our hearts and make us a new person. And this is how someone can enter into relationship with God is only if God make the first move in John 1 verse 12 it says that, yet all who receive him to those who believe in him, he gave them the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or human will, but born of God. It is God that has given and imputed his own life into us. But how did God do that? God sent his own son born of a virgin God, he came and lived on earth and suffered like a man. And God punished his own son on our behalf as laid upon him all of our iniquities. It says in the word that he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, familiar with suffering. He took our iniquities and carried our sorrow. He was smitten by God, afflicted. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities and the punishment that we brought peace upon us was, and is, was wounded and it's by his wound that we are healed. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He died and he was buried. But he rose again on the third day, and the power that raised him from the dead is the power that has sealed us and declared us righteous in the sight of God. And that's what he's saying in the word in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has gone and the new has come. Now we have a new heart. Now we have a new relationship has started. We have a change of nature. And also we have a new standing with God where He declares us not guilty. Now we have a position of sonship, not as slave. We work because we love to work for our master. We are not working so that we could have a better position. We are not locking so that, working so that we could make the Father love us more, but we are working because we know He loves us so much, and we are doing everything we can in our power to make him known. Not because we want to be known by him, for he already knew us. But my question for you, are you a child of the living God? Or are you a slave to sin? Because as child of the living God, we have a lot of benefits in chapter eight, verse one, he says, as a child of the living God, we can live with joy and peace because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Only us believers in Christ Jesus can have such hope. Only us believers in Christ Jesus can live and know that we will never be condemned because when God look at us, He no longer see us in the state of sin, but he look at us in the glance of His Son. And we are his children. Are you a child of the living God? But if you are a child of the living God, when we look at it in verse 15, it says that secondly, there are benefits for those who belong, who are children of the living God. Look at verse 15. It says that it give us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of sonship. The first thing that we can see here as a child of the living God, he gave us security. The first benefit is that we know that the Father will never leave us. The Father will never forsake us. No matter what comes our way, he will always be with us. We are no longer slave. We are son and as son of God, God will always be with us no matter what comes our way. I like the way it says it, not only that we are, we have security, but secondly, we have intimacy with God. He said that I am not a slave, but I have access to my father. I call him Abba Father. Abba was an ominous word which translated as daddy. It means that it was a strong word like a children talking to his father and we have full access to our Father. He's never busy to listen to our cry. When we call upon him, his line is always open. We can call him in the car as we drive. We can call him in the plane as we fly. We can call him at work. In anywhere we are, he's always there. Looking can listen to our voice. We can have an intimate relationship with him. Not only you can have an intimate relationship with him, but thirdly, as we look at verse 16, he said that the Spirit testified to us that we are children of God. So therefore, as I live in this world, I have assurance, I have the confidence that God, I am a member of his family and nothing can take me away from his hand. So therefore, it is not a foster system that he can change me from here and there. It is a permanent relationship that nothing can tarnish, nothing can take away. It is a permanent relationship When we look at verse 28 in chapter 8, it says our God is sovereign. His purpose in all circumstances is for my best or for our best. There is no opposition that can harm me from his hand. It removes my fear and anxiety. It leads me to have a life of gratitude and thankfulness. When I look at in the Bible and start to study many young people, and when I look at in the book of Daniel in chapter 3, there were three young men. They knew God. Their name was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the skin make a statue and the demand that they worship it. And those three young men said that we will never bow down and worship an idol and, um, and the, the make the furnace seven times hotter, They said, the king, no matter what you do, we will not bow down. And if our God does not deliver us, even if he does not, we know he can, but even if he does not, we will not bow down to worship the idol that you have made. Because they know the God the sir. Do you know the God you serve? And as the king looked, instead of seeing three guys, he saw four, and he said that fourth one is look like the son of God, it is different. And so my friends, when we're facing trials and issues of life, we need to remember that our God is the eternal God, is the creator God, is the unchangeable God, is the God that never changed. It is the omnipotent God that no matter things that comes our way, he has a way to, to solve whatever problems that comes, we can call upon him. He's the omnipresent God that never leaves me, that is there with me wherever I am. If I go to the sky, he's there. If I go under the ground, he's there. Before a word it of I'm off, he knows it. He knows me from within. He knows my pain. He knows what I'm going through. And so therefore, there's a lot of benefits. But in chapter eight, verse 31 to 39, this is what it says. What shall I say? If God is for us, who can stand against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In all of these things, we are more than conqueror to him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And the fourth benefit that we have in this text. He said that we have an inheritance that cannot be tarnished. Not only we have security, not only we have intimacy, not only we have assurance that he is with us, that we can live with confidence, but we know that he said we have an inheritance. For our future is secure and is guaranteed. In the ancient time, it was the firstborn that only was the heir. He will get the most of the inheritance. But in Christ, all believers, we are heirs of the living God. No matter who you are, no matter what nationality you are, no matter you are Chinese, Jamaican, Indian, or Haitian, or Americans, we were saved by the same blood, and we have the same inheritance. Amen? Amen. And that's what Peter said, the inheritance that we have cannot be perish, cannot be spoiled, cannot be fed away for those that God has saved and set aside for us in salvation. I remember in Gonaive, we have a pastor, and his name is Pastor Tex. And Pastor Tex loved to pray with people when they're sick. But his church was making such an impact the witch doctor within the community was very unhappy with him. And so the witch doctor said, okay, he loves to pray with people. What we're gonna do, we're gonna make an ambush. We're gonna tell him one of his members is very sick and that at night so that he could run and to go pray and spend time with them. And then when he's coming down, we're gonna ambush him with our spiritual warfare. And as they tried to do that, and then that night he went and he went to the family to pray. When he reached the family he said they were okay and there was no problem. He prayed with them anyway. He said, I come to pray so I prayed. He spent time in praying and worship God. And then as he's leaving and going, the witch doctors set an ambush for him. And as he's walking and singing and praising God, he did not know the witch doctors were there. And then he went home, and the witch doctors could not even touch him. On Sunday morning, one of the witch doctors, who was the head, he came to the church, and when he came to the church, he said, I want to have what you have. Last night, we set an ambush for you, but as you were coming, we were running away because we saw you have all those lights with, with you, shining with you, that we could not even look at you. My friend, we are well protected. Amen. We have a lot of benefits. When the Word look at us, can they see Christ in us? But, fourthly, or lastly, the third key element that we would like to look together is verse 12 and verse 13 is the result of being a child of the living God. Now knowing that God is our Father, that he has authority over us, we should honor him in all we do. So then brothers, he said, we are debtors. We owe him it all, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. If we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the spirit, you will put to death the deed of the body, you will leave. St. Clair Ferguson put it this way in another book. He said that the notion that we are children of God is son and outer is the mainstream of Christian living. Our sonship to God is the goal of redemption. So therefore, there are three things I would like to leave with you as we live as children of God. The first thing I would like to leave with you, you should, we should live with a new motivation in life. We should live with no longer to please self and to please this, this, the flesh, but we should live to please God and God alone. I remember when I was in Haiti and we had an orphanage in another city you know, in the area in Gonaives. And there was a young man after a major storm that has passed through that city and that destroyed over 6,000 people. He lost his parents and mother, and he was living under the bridge, and he was only seven years old. And every time for him to survive, he had to um, wash people's windshield, and they would give him a nickel or something, and then at night, he goes and sleeps under the bridge. They took this young boy to us, and we received him in the orphanage, and as he was living there, and, and after three years or so, I was driving from the city of Kais to the city of Gonaive, which was a nine hour drive, bad road, dirty road, bumpy road for you who have been to Haiti. And as I reached there, it was getting late and uh, my windshield, I could not see properly. But the orphanage where it was, we had no water, no running water. We have to truck water from another part of the city and so that we could get water for those children. And as I came in, this boy was so happy to see me and saw my car was so dirty. He went under his bed and took a clean t-shirt and go and start wiping the windshield of my car and start watching the headlights. I could not see properly but as he cleaned them, and then as he was doing that, and I came to him and said, Stanley, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know we don't have water here and you are dirtying your clothes. And he looked at me in the eyes and he said to me, Daddy, they call me Papi, Papi Donny. You know, I was living under the bridge. At night, I'll be afraid. And during the day, I did not have, do not know what I was gonna eat. I was living in fear. I had no friends. Sometimes I'm alone. But because you received me here, and now I have a mother who is looking after me. Now I have teachers. I go to school. I can read. Now I go to church. I go to Sunday school, and I have pastors preaching to me. And most of all, I eat three meals a day. I'm just doing this just to sit thank you, thank you for taking me in. When we know what we deserve, for the wage of sin is death, and that death is eternal death, separation from God forever. And this is a new motivation that should push us to exalt God, to worship God, to give ourselves to God. Not to be lazy. Many of us, Sometimes we don't do anything for the kingdom. But as we look at in the book of Galatians, it says if you are led by the Spirit, don't let the sinful nature control your life. But let the fruit of the Spirit of God flow in all you do. And the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, love one another, is joy. In the midst of troubles and try, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The fruit of the Spirit is peace, is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And my prayer for you is that you will have a new motivation. Not only to go and to share the gospel, but to obey God's word to set time aside so that you will know God in the deeper sense and so that you will live fully for him. You want to obey his voice because he is calling you to accomplish something for his glory. But are you willing to go and to accomplish what he wants you to do? We are called to be witnesses in our home, in our community, and everywhere that he has placed us and now you are obedient to his call? And lastly, do you trust him? And I would ask you and encourage you as a result, knowing God, knowing who he is, and what he has done. You can trust him, for he has promised us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. You will know that he is always with you, and you will know that nothing Is impossible with him. Yes, there's a process. Only God can make it happen. For the scripture said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through him. But also there are benefits. And those benefits are clear here in this text. But also the result is also very important. That as we live, let us have a new motivation to serve him and him alone to exalt him in all we do, to obey his voice as he called us, but also to trust him, to trust his word, to trust his truth, because his promise are certain. I remember a young man, uh, he was not very young, he was 65 years old young man, because as I get older, I can see. <laughs> and this young man, uh, was a witch doctor, and he had three wives. And um, I shared the gospel with this man, and this man said to me, I don't think I can live that type of message. I don't think I can live that kind of life. Because all of my fortune or things that I have comes from what I do. And if I come and receive that message, I can no longer do what I used to do. I said that uh, all you need to remember and to know, when you, come, when you come to know him, he will transform your lives. And as he transforms your lives, he has promised that he will be with you always. So he said, okay, pray for me. And I prayed with him, and three months later, this man started to grow in his Christian faith. All of the wish doctors from the villages, when they come to the city, they will come to his home. But they did not know that he was a new person, he was a new believer. So he had over 500 wish doctors that came to the city to celebrate Carnival. And when they came, And he said to them, I'm sorry. I'm no longer the same person. I am a new person. He locked his door of his house. He could not tell them to leave because of our culture. So he said, you can stay in the yard, do whatever you want to do. But me, I'm out for three days. Because I'm no longer involved in this. Three months later, he came to me. And he said, Pastor. I want to marry one of my mother's children. Because I see that living with all these three women, I'm not pleasing my God. And he prayed with me and he chose one. But he chose the youngest one. (laughs) And then after I prayed with him and see the transformation that occurred in his life. After he get married, because of his life, because of his obedience, 15 other couples from the community come to know Christ and also wanted to marry and to live a life of holiness and purity in order to please God, in order to have a new motivation In order to trust God and for God to carry them through. And this young man today is one of the most trusted men we have in our ministry in the city of Jeremy. If I have someone that I can trust with resources and work and things that need to be done. He is the one that I go through. Because the gospel has transformed him and he has become anew. And he was willing to do whatever it costs to serve his master. Let us live as children of God. Let us not live as often without hope, but let us live for him and for him alone. Let us pray.
0: God sent his son. They call him Jesus. He came to love. Healed and forgives. He lives and died. To buy my poor. Done. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lead. And because it lives, I can face tomorrow because ill is all fear is gone and because I know I know he holds the future and life is worth so...